0: Show where I, Josh Pinkford, founder of Bear Matrix, hop on a call with other founders and get the stories of how they started and grew their businesses. This week I talk with Ryan Hoover, founder of Product Hunt. In this episode, we talk about growing up in Oregon, how video games shaped his future, the origins of Product Hunt, how Ryan was intentional about keeping Product Hunt a positive community, mistakes he's made along the way, and more. Hope you enjoy. Hey Ryan, thanks for joining me. How's it going? I am doing well. How's it going, Josh? going well as well. Um, so the way that I like to kick these things off is with um, your backstory. So going all the way back to little Ryan, like you as a kid, um, where'd you yeah. grow up?
1: So I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. So I've uh, been staying on the West Coast really all my life now.
0: Gotcha. So as a kid, we're, I mean, what were you into? Were you, were you into computers or making things or
1: Yeah, I've always, well, so a lot of my childhood was actually revolved around video games, I think. The first maybe two-thirds of my life, a lot of it was involving video games, and for a couple of different reasons. One, I I just loved playing games. My favorite thing to do on the weekends was to get my beanbag chair, put it about maybe six to seven feet from the TV. Like, that was very important to be, you know, at the right (laughs) distance, And just play games all day. Uh, And that was, that was my like uh, escape, I guess. Um, Played a lot of like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger um, on the PC, StarCraft, TFC, Counter-Strike. So a lot of nostalgia and like fun playing video games. And my dad actually owned a video game store as well. And so I had the fortune of being able to play all these cool games as a, as a kid. And uh, I think video games certainly was in some ways my path towards tech in that video games is, is kind of a part of the technology industry. Um, and it was actually the first job that I got was, was in the video game industry. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of parallels, I guess, with video games in my childhood.
0: Do you, um, uh, did, did you favor a specific type of, uh, you know, say like, um, uh, Xbox or PlayStation versus, you know, PC based games, or were you just like any game is cool?
1: Yeah, I was a combination of, I played PC and console. And so if I go back to early, earlier days, I think it was more NES, Super NES. Um, uh, what else was I playing back then? Of course, then PlayStation came out and really loved Metal Gear Solid. The first one on PlayStation was amazing. Uh, yeah. I think that world is just so, so wacky and so fun. Uh, yeah. And then my first kind of, I guess, uh, full foray into PC gaming was with StarCraft my parents bought it for me for, for Christmas. Um, little did they know I actually opened it up the night before Christmas. Cause I was so <laughs> curious what was in the box. Yes. I carefully opened up the package and then rewrapped it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I so, have the ag-
0: exact same story with, uh, with a guitar. I, uh, I found it in my, like my parents' uh, closet and I unwrapped the whole thing, the amp and the guitar um, <laughs> played it, played it and then repackaged it all. And, <laughs> put it back in the the box so brilliant um, sneaky kids man
1: yeah yeah i just i i I knew that there was a game in this box but i didn't know which one it was and so yeah starcraft was starcraft was so fun and at the time i was playing on BattleNet, which was blizzard's like kind of chat kind of social networking type features and uh that also introduced me into the world of irc uh which then introduced me into a whole world of um you know, at the time, where's, and a lot of people like illegally downloading things. Sure. And so that, you know, what I, as I mentioned before, video games is sort of my gateway drug into technology <laughs> in some yeah. ways.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that, so for me, the, I think of, to me, I picture the internet as being, as a community sort of based thing, right? I mean, obviously you make things and you can put them on the internet, but to me it exists as this sort of community. And, uh, and my, my gateway into that was via, basically I mean building websites um you know like just the geo cities and tripod and that kind of stuff um and but for you it sounds like that was like the gaming side was how you sort of got introed into the community aspect um I guess having a community with people who were not you know in your own town
1: right yeah yeah they were uh, I mean unfortunately my internet connection was was very poor but I attempted to to join a clan uh in StarCraft and and also Team Fortress Classic, I also played a bit, bunch of and uh yeah it was it was kind of the first time I think where I connected with people on the internet that were not people I knew. Right, right. So
0: do you did you feel like you had any sort of entrepreneurial bent as a kid?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the so my parents are are both entrepreneurs and they've been working together building companies uh, since I can remember, really, and so. When I was a child, they had a video game store. It was kind of like a GameStop, uh, you know, before even Walmart was kind of in our city in Eugene, and uh, they're now working on a different company, but they've really helped me and encouraged me to start different projects, and I always love the idea of how do I make money, not for my time, but for my output, Mm -hmm. and I found that really motivating because I hated working by hour. It's it's kind of demoralizing because you could do a really amazing job, a really terrible job, and you still get paid, I don't know, eight bucks an hour or whatever I was making at the time or whatever minimum wage was. And so they always encouraged me to kind of explore ways of making money. I love the idea of doing something and somehow turning into more money. (laughs) And so I, you know, managed the gumball machines when I was a little kid uh, at my parents video game store. And so that really didn't require much work. is basically me <laughs> getting driven to Costco to pick up more candy, refilling the Gumball machines, and then collecting all the quarters, counting it up, and putting it into a spreadsheet. And
0: <laughs> well, it was you cool, You though, were tracking it in a spreadsheet, though.
1: Yeah, I was using my my grandfather's old Apple computer. Uh, and I had, you know, that was, I think, the first computer that I sort of owned as a kid. Didn't really do much, but it had a spreadsheet. Um, and I used that to to, you know, start tabulating the, uh, the, the revenues. And it was fun because every time I'd, uh, arrive, I think it was after church on Sundays, we'd go to the store and, you know, just empty out the quarters. And it was kind of fun to see how much did I make this week? Right, and, right. um, so did things like that. They also encouraged me to, there were times when I started, uh, listed on Craigslist and like, uh, basically housework, just different, different odd jobs. And, uh, around the city would do things like power washing or mowing lawns and that kind of stuff. And while that was sort of paying for my time to some extent, more so than, than the gumball machines, it was something where I could make, you know, I could close $50 or hundred dollar like deal or whatever, whatever you want to call it um, and make a lot more than the $8 an hour.
0: Yep. So, um, so this was like early childhood. What about in high school? What kind of stuff were you into?
1: Yeah. In high school, Around, I think it was, I think it was my freshman year is when I started and, uh, started exploring more, um, exploring more of technology. And there's a few things I did. One was I, I wanted to build my own website and I had, there's this friend of mine in high school who happened to build a kind of joke, funny website. And he made a hundred thousand dollars as, you know, like a 14 or 15 year old, uh, selling advertising. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, how did he do it? And I basically tried to replicate it. I was like, okay, I'm going to build my own website and I'm going to source the internet for funny comics and images and jokes and whatnot. And to do it first, I need to learn how to build a site. And so I got a book from the library or something and just hacked something together. It was really terrible, but it was a really awesome learning experience because I learned how to build a website. And even the simplest things like what how do you register a domain and like set that up and how do you find a host and uh the site was terrible um i think it's probably somewhere on the way back time machine (laughs) but it's certainly offline now thank god uh and i spent tons of time on it i spent i don't know dozens and dozens of hours learning and building the site and my goal was to make a hundred thousand dollars i unfortunately (laughs) did not i i made seventy dollars and it cost me about $60 to host and, and get everything up and running. So it is That's my first profitable endeavor, but. <laughs> Lo- lofty goals, man. You weren't even like,
0: man, if I could make a hundred bucks, that'd be cool. No, hundred thousand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, oh, well, if he did it, I could do it too. And this kind of goes back, I think, to maybe a broader theme around like inspiration. And um, I think the internet's a great place to get inspired and to see other people try things and, and succeed and it inspires other people after them to to try and do the same thing. So I think okay. it's super important to tell stories and and showcase different people of different backgrounds, you For know, sure. doing cool stuff. So
0: so that's uh, around freshman year of high school. Did you did you keep trying to make websites that made money, or after that sort of failure and you know, our profit of ten dollars after all that, um, did did you want to keep doing that?
1: Yeah i I don't think I made any other. Maybe I dabbled with some other sites, but I didn't create any other websites because I was a little bit demoralized, <laughs> sure. but on the plus side, I learned a lot. And now I, I understand more about how websites are built and can, can do that in the future. Um, I did do, there's one other thing going back to the video game theme. I also got into modding uh, Xboxes at the mm-hmm. time. And there was a, you know, you had to, to buy a chip at this time. This is the first Xbox you'd buy a, a mod chip which was sort of gray hat, it wasn't illegal, but it was certainly gray and open up the Xbox and then solder this chip into the device. And I learned a lot about just how does this work? And also a lot of trial and error. I ended up actually breaking an Xbox, uh, soldering, and (laughs) that was expensive, uh, lesson. I think, you know, at the time it was maybe a $200 or $300 console. And that was a lot of money for me back then. Uh, but I was doing a lot of that, and I modded some other people's Xboxes and made made some money just modding. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's okay to admit that right now, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly great great area of, of uh, business. Sure. Um, but again, it it I learned a lot, and and it was it was fun. It was fun fun to kind of pursue that that direction.
0: So so as you're wrapping up high school, I mean. Did you have any real idea of what you wanted to do afterwards? You went to, to college in Oregon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was actually, it, it was senior, so going back to the video game theme, theme again, it was actually uh, a video game internship. Is It was my first, I guess, career. I had other jobs like at a home improvement store and a pool store and working at my dad's store every now and then when I was a kid. But my first sort of professional experience was in video games, and it was uh, an internship at a company called Instant Action, which at the time was one of the few I would say sort of startups in Eugene, Oregon, which is a relatively small town of about 150,000 people, and that was an awesome experience. I joined as a marketing intern, and uh, after that, it was it was really senior year senior year in college that I I took that internship. And then afterwards, they hired me on as a marketer, and then I moved in product management from there. So that was was sort of my transition from, I guess, schooling to professional career. And then I moved from Eugene to Portland and lived there for a year.
0: Did... I mean, do the video game stuff, was it, was it just sort of this natural evolution of like, Hey, I grew up playing video games. I love video games. I'll keep doing video game stuff. Um, or did you have other interests that you had hoped
1: to pursue or, you know, it wasn't until then that I knew what I wanted to do. Actually, I, I studied business and, and also computer information technology. And at the same time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Ideally. Um, I, was attracted to something in technology, but it wasn't clear to me how, how I would work in technology until, until I saw this posting for an internship just spring up. And, you know, if I didn't see that internship role, I don't know what I would have done. I, I considered working for my, my parents' company, which, uh, now is not the video game store, but a different company in the waste management industry. And I look back and I, I'm so glad I didn't do do that for a number of reasons. Like one, working for your parents' company, I don't think is, um it's kind of a cop out. Now it might be a great opportunity yeah. for a lot of people, but it's sort of a cop out. And also it's an industry I don't care about. I don't care about waste management. It's not exciting to me. And so sure. there's an alternative history where I I would have pursued a career and a path that wouldn't excite me. And I was fortunate to get that internship now, which led me to what I am doing today ultimately. Right, right, right. So
0: when when you finish college, got the internship was after college, correct?
1: Internship was actually during college. And then, yeah, it during was right college. after I graduated that I was hired on full time.
0: Got it. So um, what's the timeline from
1: that to Playhaven? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I moved to Portland after college and worked there for a year at Instant Action, the same company I joined. And I was there for a year and almost exactly actually. And it was clear that well, taking a step back, it was a great, awesome vision and we were doing some cool things, awesome team, but it was very clear after a year and a half working there that we, were, we weren't we were going to, we weren't doing well. <laughs> we ultimately were doing too many things. It was It was like three businesses in one and it's a classic startup problem where you just try to bite off more than you can chew. And there was a time when people started exiting the company, and it was kind of like a sinking ship, frankly, where every week someone would leave, uh, including some execs. And at that moment, I realized, you know, I, I'm i going to ride this out. I'm going to support and continue working hard, but I don't have much hope. And I ended up eventually connecting with a, a former exec at Instaction, and his name is Andy Yang. And he ended up leaving and moving to San Francisco to join a company called Playhaven. And we actually just grabbed dinner with a group of people. And it was after that, that he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm hiring a product manager. He kind of floated it out there and I bit, (laughs) and I'm like, Oh, you are, Mm -hmm. uh, I would love, I love to work with you and Playhaven, Uh, you know, at the time we were building, uh, tools for mobile game developers and this was 2010. So to set the, the sort of context back then, Facebook gaming was, was huge 2009, 2010, Facebook gaming was blowing up and things like Zanga and, and games like Farmville were taking off. But there was also this transitioning happening where Facebook was changing a lot of their platform and, and how game companies could grow on the platform. And a lot of those people were shifting over to mobile and mobile was also on the rise. The app store was out there. And so we were operating purely in the mobile gaming category, working with Um, at that time in the beginning indie game developers but then later big companies like glue mobile like public companies and that was super exciting because it was again in gaming but it was riding this wave and building these these things that we believe the world and game creators really really needed uh did you enjoy
0: the the um product sort of management
1: role i did i loved it i still love it it's there's certain aspects of the role that I maybe don't like as much, but the my favorite thing to do in my current job is is product in the sense that I like working with a team and coming up with ideas and testing ideas and creating new experiences and all of that's super fun. And in kind of being a young, early twenties product manager was I don't know, it was a really eye-opening experience. I made a lot of mistakes. Um I, in the beginning, didn't really know how to work with all of the different teams and all the different people from design to sales to upper management and learned a lot along the way. It's, it's one of those roles that's really hard to learn without just doing it and making mistakes. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so you're at Playhaven for uh, a couple of years um, and then you've got the idea for Product Hunt. Um, start working on that. Um, and ultimately, I mean, so you and Nathan, Nathan
1: was your co-founder, right? So Nathan, um, we, we had the time, actually, we called ourselves creators. Um, and we, we use that. There's a few different words that we use. Prototent was in the beginning, an experiment. It wasn't a startup. Uh, Nathan and I were creators, not founders. And that language is actually, I think important because it set a tone and also set expectations of, of what we thought at the time. Um. So yeah, yeah, Nathan Nathan came in after the email list started. Uh, I ended up reaching okay. out to him, and and we worked on the site together for about, I don't know, four or five months uh, in the earliest days.
0: And then launched in... So I had... I, I remembered that Product Hunt had launched, you know, 2013-ish, but I, I realized, like, researching for all this, that you guys launched, and then BareMetrics launched almost at the same time, mm. um, like... Mid November, basically, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. We were um, November 23rd. I think was when the email started of
0: 2013. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I launched biometrics on November 14th. Oh, well, wow.
1: so yeah, small
0: world. Um, so okay, so so Product Hunt gets kicked off really as an email list at first. Ultimately, turns into this um, website. Um, how? I so what did you guys do initially? to make it not just like another version of like, you know, there, there's tons and tons of sites where it's like you post a thing, like it's essentially like this directory of mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So what did you guys do that sort of ultimately you felt like gave it this sort of kick in the pants over anything else that already existed?
1: Yeah. It's, I, I was talking to someone recently about the opportunities and how you would start a new community on the, on the internet and, it all kind of comes down to focusing on a very specific category or interest or uh, group of people. And, you know, when we first launched, we had, of course, like most people do, they have a lot of haters who are, uh, you know, asking, why isn't this just a subreddit or, you know, this already exists, uh, you know, on Twitter in some form or whatever. And the reality is you can create, there might be communities and there's actually, if there aren't communities on the internet in different forms and different forms like Reddit, then maybe there is no audience for this type of topic. But at the end of the day, building a community and a brand around a particular type of topic or interest creates can create a lot of value, and it can start off even super niche. Um, but really, it's about kind of finding. My dad would always use a saying: uh, find find a need, find a hole and fill it. In the sense that there's a million different problems in the world, and sometimes just like focusing on problems or holes where no one's no one's kind of tackling that problem or in this case building a community for these people um that can be good inspiration for business ideas and so product was really it's focused on technology and it's was what we were trying to do is create a place where we could replicate a lot of the conversations that me and my friends would have about technology a place where you can talk about and geek out about the products and technology and the apps and things like that um and again, you kind of see that in different forms on different social networks, but there was no home for that. And that was our goal is to create a home for all of these, these people and eventually the makers of those products.
0: How how did you, did you guys early on, I mean, I remember this pretty vividly early on that Product Hunt from the beginning has maintained this uh, like positive, to me, it's a, it's a it's a positive community whereas you think of something like Hacker News or even like Reddit can get, like they just get really... Um I don't like, they can get sort of dark and um and the the overtone is always just sort of this like air of negativity. Yeah. Like how did you avoid yeah. that?
1: It was a combination of two things. One, it's the product and the design of the product, and then two, a lot of just community management uh type of efforts. And so a couple examples going back to the first part, product itself. We we wanted to focus on real identities and we knew that. Especially as makers come on board, a lot of them will feel incentivized or want to go in as their company name. So, if for example, mm-hmm. Bear Metrics launches its new thing, if people are talking to Bear Metrics, the brand on Product Hunt, it feels more markety and less uh, less authentic. And the reality is, people want to talk to Josh, the CEO of the company, not the brand. And so, it was super important to us to focus on real identity and giving people an opportunity to connect directly with the creators of these things. And that as a result starts to reduce some of the risks with that you see on hacker news or Reddit or other platforms where, uh, pseudonyms or anonymous accounts can just introduce more risk when it comes to, uh, trolls and, and giving almost when you remove the face and some of the empathy, like when you don't see the face of the person, (laughs) um, it can yep. uh, it can yeah make the community less empathetic. Um, so there's things like that on the product side that, that were really important. Do you
0: do you feel like that was intentional or sort of after the fact you realize like oh we've built this thing we you know just made a decision to have real identities and how it all kind of worked out or were you was that something that you specifically from day one were were focused on? It was
1: on? it was very intentional in the beginning and it also uh, it we also then leveraged. Twitter. So we, we didn't intentionally, we also didn't do like email and still today, actually, you can't sign up on product hunt as like a username and email. We wanted to tie it to some existing identity, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Twitter was actually the only platform we, we supported for a long time in the beginning. And that also allowed us to tap into the Twitter graph in that network. And the beauty about Twitter is it's all for the most part, pretty much public and you can connect and message pretty much anyone and so that allowed us to notify makers when their products are on the page, and also use it in interesting ways to um, send notifications and reminders through the Twitter graph to all of our users in the beginning, and do things like user invites and that kind of stuff. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. So you you get the thing launched, um, and then um, I to me, it, my, my memory might be incorrect here, but. To me, it like quickly became um I mean, within months became this sort of uh, de facto sort of tech community. Uh, I mean, was that was that the case, or did it take a lot longer than a couple of months?
1: it You're right. It was pretty quick. In the beginning, it it sort of organically, I mean, there was certainly a lot of things that we did uh, intentionally to grow the community, but a lot of it was um, i don't I don't know if product market fit is the right word exactly, but there was certainly a market pull, and going back to what I said about, you know, finding a hole and filling it. I think, I think we were able to find that there was a hole in the market, in a tech ecosystem where people could geek out about these things, talk about products. And because if you look at general social networks like Twitter and Facebook, you see some of that conversation, but it's all fragmented. It's mixed in with politics and a lot of other things. If you look at news publications, Most of them don't have, a lot of them don't have blog comments. And if they do, it's not necessarily a real exciting place to talk about technology. Um, And then there's a bunch of subreddits, which are mixed in, of course, with this giant, giant community on on Reddit. Uh, So I feel like a lot of it was market pull. And it was the first, I don't know, I I don't remember our numbers exactly at the time. But in terms of our user growth, it was growing dramatically uh, every single week in the first several months.
0: Do you feel like you're the the what three or four years of of doing product management do, do you feel like that played into um how you built product hunt or or like was there any correlation there or just they're just totally separate things?
1: yeah, yeah, a lot of i I learned a lot about uh, two things just product in general and thinking a lot of it around also not making mistakes of over investing and one thing that a lot of people who gravitate towards a product management role fall into a trap of is they, they end up whiteboarding or mocking up a bunch of features and a bunch of things and doing it over a weekend and not talking to anyone. (laughs) And so that was certainly mistakes. Those were some of the mistakes I made in the early days uh, as a product manager is I, I would, I just loved kind of thinking up new ideas, but I didn't necessarily think of like, is this the most important thing that I should be doing with my time? And do people really want this? And so A lot of my early experience got me to realize the importance of customer development and um, observing user behavior and trying to build for it, and also creative ways to MVP different ideas. Um, And then the other kind of portion of that is product management is, it's one of those roles that you talk to everyone in the company, uh, unlike um, other roles in the company who maybe interfaces with one or two different business functions. Product management usually talks to engineering, design, sales, upper management, external customers. You're basically talking to everyone, and that was super helpful to, uh, as sort of becoming a leader or or a CEO in the future. Having that skill set is is helpful and uh, knowing how to interface with different people because the way that designers sometimes work and, and are most effective can be very different than how engineers work and certainly very different than salespeople work. <laughs> they're like entirely different sure. uh, brains sometimes and how they like to communicate and um, get things done just due to the nature of their function and what they're they're working on.
0: Uh, talking about CEOs, I mean, how was that transition for you from being a product manager? And even though, I mean, uh, I assume you also managed some people maybe before that a little bit at Playhaven, but like transitioning into full on CEO who's raising money kind of role. Like what was that transition like for you?
1: Yeah. The, the kind of irony is that I never managed anybody until product hunt and yeah, oh. it's, I, I was an individual contributor as a product manager for about three and a half years at, at Playhaven and then about a year at instant action before that. And I, I, of course, interfaced with everyone and had a lot of uh, input over the product and what we were building, but I didn't have the authority to say to have someone reporting to me. <laughs> and so, as a result, as a product manager, you sort of have to uh, you have to manage and lead uh, by earning it more so than just because you're you're listed on the org chart above someone else. And that that was certainly something that that was new to me i guess when product hunt started and and honestly I had a lot of imposter syndrome around that like who are who am i to tell people what to do and lead this company and some of the people on the team also are more experienced than i am like andreas is more experienced in the startup world and has built built companies and raised money in the past and he joined joined the team and so uh, i guess a lot of a lot of the culture of product hunt is collaborative and uh and flat in the sense of um how we treat each other i think I, I i hope and and want to ensure that everyone feels like their their voice is heard even if they're an 18 year old intern on the team um, versus myself
0: right i i mean did so I, I think talking to a lot of other founders and i don't for myself um founders who start a company and who are very product focused i mean you know you from a product management perspective i've started in design and it's like everything feels like it can be solved with you know features and just making the product better when a lot of times what you need to focus on is the team and the people and um, and i know for some some founders that can be a struggle to to not just try to solve everything with a product mm-hmm. change or addition or whatever was was that difficult for you
1: um, i think my my background's in product management but it's also Sort of as, as on the side, it's also been community and marketing to some extent. In that, right. I also gravitate towards that, and a lot of a lot of the things we did to grow Product Hunt were uh, not product related. So in the the early days, um, one thing that was actually very effective was tech press, which for many companies it's a trap, and people fall into this this uh, into the the thirst for vanity metrics, getting press. But for Product Hunt, it was effective because we were building a product for the tech community and the people that were reading TechCrunch, for example, are exactly our, our users. And so a lot of what I focused on in the beginning was a combination of getting press for whether it's launches or uh, landing mentions where, you know, a reporter might find a product on Product Hunt and then link back to us and mention where they found it. Um, but then I also wrote uh, personally about some of our, uh, just about products in general. I used to, to blog quite a bit, and I used that uh, effectively content marketing placed in publications like FastCo and others to bring awareness about Product Hunt to this, since it was brand new to a lot of people, and ultimately drive traffic and then users to the site.
0: Got it. So um, a few years after you started Product Hunt, uh, Angelist ultimately acquired it. Um, So that's been a year and a half, almost two years now. Yeah, about a year and a half now. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, how did that come about at all?
1: Yeah. So it it actually started in the very early days of Product Hunt. So after we were working on it as a side project for a while, eventually we decided to raise money and went through Y Combinator. And we raised a a seed round uh, going into Y Combinator. So this was early to mid-2014. And one of the investors in that round was Naval. And I had, you know, admired AngelList. In fact, I used to, to browse Angelus looking for companies and products for fun because I'm a nerd. And uh, it was great to have him as a supporter and, and um, an actual investor. And so that was 2014. And so we'd stay in, stayed in touch and kept up to date on product hunts, progress and everything. And then fast forward to uh, middle to end of 2016, we reconnected more and talked more about what I started learning more about what Angelus was doing and, and what their mission is. And we just saw a lot of alignment because we're we're very much building for the same type of audience. We're both uh, culturally aligned in a desire to help startups and companies grow. And the thing is though, that Angelus is doing it in a very different way and they're very much focused on how do we help companies get funding and how do we help companies recruit and build a team. And those are two things that we're not doing and don't plan to do on the product side, but we are focused very much on how do we help companies and people get users and get feedback? And so there's this nice, uh, for lack of a better word, like synergy. And in the sense that, uh, you know, we can combine forces and now support companies and startups um, in different ways. And then over time, expand upon that together. There's, there's actually some things that, that I'm excited to explore uh, more on the Angela side that we're not ready to announce, but um, ultimately like our guiding vision is how do we help startups and, if we can help more startups be successful, we believe that's ultimately good for the world because startups and companies are 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 people that solve really important problems in the world
0: sure well what how how did, how have you stayed focused on the type the types of things that get posted to product hunt i mean like so obviously you know you think of it product hunt is a is a community for tech um but you guys have dabbled in other things like I, there was a podcast section for a little while. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, how, how have you guys just like not, you know, been distracted or, or or said like, Hey, let's expand to every category ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we definitely made a lot of mistakes. And one of the mistakes was we attempted to expand horizontally way too quick. And, Part of, part of what we went through was we started off with Product Hunt, which organically and naturally became a place for technology. And the, the realization and the vision is that there are other categories of products where, that exhibit some similar challenges when it comes to makers the creators of these things have the hardest time getting distribution, getting feedback, building community. And that exists across many different categories, including podcasts, including games, including books and on the other side consumers are also excited to not only discover the newest and the best of these types of categories and things but there's also also communities that exist that want to uh, have a dialogue and discuss and, and interact around these different topics and so we we started off as gaming actually being the first category that we sort of expanded into and this goes back to my my days in gaming and and working in the industry i I knew very clearly the distribution is so hard and uh, especially as like an independent indie game creator, how do you get your first thousand players and how do you even get some feedback for your game? And so we started with gaming, then we did books and then podcasts. All these categories are areas where I'm passionate about, maybe less so books, um, honestly, but (laughs) gaming I'm passionate about, podcasting I'm passionate about. And the the reality was that we ended up watering down the experience ultimately. And what we found was yes, there's a bunch of people in technology that also love games and books and podcasts, but they didn't come to Product Hunt for that. Product Hunt was really designed and, and positioned around technology. And it ended up resulting in uh, just cluttering the feed. And uh, we weren't, it, it was just not the right time to expand in those categories in the way that we did. And so, in hindsight, I look back and I realize it was just not the right time to be doing that. And uh, we should have just focused and doubled down really on technology, which is what we're doing now. And the reality is we can be massive and uh, still a, a giant company, if even if we were independent, focusing entirely on tech. Because there are you know, hundreds of millions of people in this world who work in tech or want to be working in technology alone. And everyone has some sort of, not everyone, but uh most people in first world countries have some sort of smart device it's just one example like technology is everywhere and it's shaping our culture so focusing purely on tech is is what we'll be doing for the foreseeable future and and uh and we should have just stuck with that early on yeah
0: so what's uh, what's the next year look like for for you and for product on i mean i know recently you guys launched um but, well uh sip and ship um <laughs> <laughs> so these are sort of additional, um, I, I think of SHIP, ships like a, a, a would be a, sort of a way to monetize what's on top of Product Hunt and then SIP being the like, news sort of tech aggregation type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So SIP is very much an experimental project around, around news and, and helping people discover and stay up to date in what's most important in the industry. And a lot of that's inspired by observations of what we find find people gravitating towards within the product community and uh yeah so we just yesterday launched sip for web which includes not just the web ui but we're also introducing more community features like commenting and, and things like that and then ship which we, we by the way did not plan to make this so confusing of sip and ship <laughs> uh, just sort of happened um ship ship is also an entirely different product in fact it's it's a SaaS based like product and tool essentially um after seeing you know, 100,000 plus products launch and also see, observing our own behavior, we saw a lot of people building their own landing pages, signing up for MailChimp, uh, signing up for Typeform, and then trying to piece all these tools together by collecting emails and then exporting a CSV and putting it into MailChimp, and then exporting that CSV and putting it into Typeform and surveying their customers. And basically the idea is we wanna build a, a single tool where you can do all of that more efficiently and ultimately save time in uh managing all these tools so you can focus more time on just building the product itself along with your community and so ship ship is uh pretty exciting it's it's also been super uh, a huge learning experience for us uh you know i i've never built a SaaS based tool or product or worked on anything like that before and so while it builds off of our product and community and and brand and everything else it's kind of like its own thing and um and shout out to Bear Metrics too, because I, I look at it um, every other day or at least weekly. Um, we're using it to monitor um, like our customers' churn and, and signups and other things like that.
0: Right on. Well, yeah. so um, how has the. So, uh, one thing that I've seen you guys do a couple of times with Ship um, is earlier on, or I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it was like six months ago or something, you guys partnered with. Um, Amazon offering AWS credits, and then most recently partnered with Stripe mm-hmm. to offer some essentially Stripe credits. I mean, how? Um, I assume that that's helped with drive some some signups and demand on on the ship side of things.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was. It's. I don't remember honestly where where it started, but we've over the years built some good relationships with companies like Amazon and Stripe, and and we also just know that we have a lot of people on product makers that want to use AWS that want to use Stripe or Stripe Atlas. And it felt like just a win, win, win. So we reached out and uh, basically negotiated and came to an agreement. Like if you sign up for ship on an annual plan, you're going to get uh, up to $7,500 in free AWS credits. So for AWS, it's great because they get qualified leads, people that hopefully will be successful and spend a lot more than that on their platform in the future. And for, for uh, customers and, and makers, they, it's like a no-brainer. If you're going to spend, uh, basically, you're going to save thousands of dollars by signing up. So it's kind of a, a no-brainer to sign up for something like that. And um, so, yeah, we, we've done that with AWS. We're doing it with Stripe. Um, and we're actually exploring maybe some more kind of integrations and, and offerings like that so we can make it cheaper and more accessible uh, for people just to get started.
0: For you, what's um, and this it, is probably a hard question to even answer, but they're they're just so totally different beasts. The product hunt being very community sort of focused as a product, and then you get something like Ship being a almost more traditional set of like SaaS tools. Um, now that you've been working on both for a little while, like do you do you find that you're more drawn to the the SaaS side of things or the community side of things?
1: You know, I. I'm naturally drawn to the community side of of the business, um, but I'm extremely curious and excited to learn more about SaaS. And I curiosity is actually a uh, a trait that we hire for at Product Hunt, and it's something I take a lot of pride in. I think curiosity is is a really good, noble trait in in any professional because it it's people that are curious that are willing to try new things and excited. Uh, out of their own free will to, to experiment and also maybe try things that won't work. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's sort of a trait that I, I think I try to exhibit. And, and ship is one of those things where honestly, that I just wish I had more time to focus on, on it along with everything else, because there's a lot we could be doing. Um, for example, paid acquisition, we really haven't done any of for ship and that's, that's its own acquisition channel and lever for us to explore down the, in the future.
0: Got it. Well, cool, man. Well, that's, that's all uh, I've got. Thanks for hopping on a call. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks.
0: Yep. There we have it. Ryan Hoover of Product Hunt. Thanks for listening this week. If you need revenue analytics and insights, check out baremetrics.com. If you have any feedback, I would love to hear it. Shoot me an email, Josh at baremetrics.com or on Twitter at Spigford. Head to founderchats.com to listen to lots of other conversations with startup founders. And if you enjoyed this, A rating on iTunes or sharing it with your friends goes a long way. Thanks again and see you next time.